Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Pre-Med Office Hours, episode 149 with the Medical School HQ team. I'm with Courtney Lewis, former director of admissions at Burrell College of Osteopathic Medicine, all around awesome person. How you doing, my true. friend? Good. True. Good. True. Feeling awesome. Feeling yeah. awesome. It's uh, the opening yeah. of the cycle. All of the students are probably rightfully so, very stressed out right now, but it feels good to be digging into the meats of their application, having them feeling really confident, kind of building all that up. So I, I love this time of year. I'm happy that I'm not a director of admissions <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, it's nice to be on this end. So very yes. good, very good day. Uh, one little uh, little known fact about Courtney Lewis is that she is a video game wizard crushing all of her enemies on call, call of duty is that the one <laughs> call, yeah, of duty. call of duty yes yeah. so before uh, it was world of warcraft and then league of legends and i, yes. I had to you know i have to have a real life job and yes. so, um this, this lol helped. to it, it felt wow. more valuable you know to do something like help people get into med school you know there you go <laughs> uh if, if courtney disappears one day you will find her being a professional twitch streamer so <laughs> Go check, out. Go check that out. Vernia <laughs> uh, Granham, former assistant dean of pre-health and STEM advising at Hofstra. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm yes. also glad to see that Courtney's picture in the back is not a bunch of machetes as I thought it was initially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what were those things? I don't know what those were. It was like paint strokes. Oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Machetes. I thought maybe they were like uh, barber razors. I don't, oh, okay. Uh, kind of look <laughs> like am- that. I am half Mexican, so you know I'm allowed to have machetes. <laughs> yes, sure. Uh, what what is a little known tidbit about you, Vernia? Oh, uh, I don't know if I want to say that on air. <laughs> a G-rated a, one. A G-rated one. I don't know. I think I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I'm an open book. Um, I grew up playing video games. Uh, I was a big Resident Evil fan, though. This was before the whole like streaming thing became popular. So every now and then I'll jump on and catch like the latest version of that game, which is like 25 years old at this point. <laughs> nice. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm excited to have both of you. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. Uh, G-R-A-Y. Don't keep me humble. I don't need it. <laughs> the the uh, founder of Medical School HQ. I've written some books, uh, the Pre-Med Playbook series. A little known tidbit about me. I've been in a movie fever pitch with uh, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. I was a baseball player extra. Uh, You can see me not super close up in that movie. So it's pretty fun. Anyway, let's rock and roll. Uh, We are here to answer your questions. If you're watching on on Instagram, go over to premed.tv. Ask your questions over there. Uh, we'll answer as many questions as we can as we go through uh, the next 50 minutes or so. Let's rock and roll. What if you don't pass biochem? Will it still be okay? Uh, Vernia, 
you got to pass biochem, right? You do. In the grand scheme of things, yes, things will still be okay. However, you do still have to pass biochem. So it's, it's, it is what it is. You retake it, you move on. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. The old saying, if at first you don't succeed, drop out of being a pre-med is not <laughs> the it. saying. It's not that you didn't let me finish. It's not the saying. Uh, unfortunately, no. a lot of of students hear that information of like, oh, yeah. you got an F, you're done. Like you're never, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. done. What's up, bro? You're done. You're done. <laughs> yeah, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're not uh, done. It's not the saying. A, a, a failure is a failure. Uh, what you do after that is is where the money is made, so to speak. So yes. You'll you need can. that content. It's valuable content yeah. for your foundation ahead of getting into med school. So it's not just about you need to achieve the grade. It's, it's that you need the content. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We, we need a, an Instagram post that says that like, if at first you don't succeed, <laughs> drop out of being a pre-med and then some sort of catchy <laughs> caption that says, no, no, that's not, that's yeah. not the answer. Yeah. Um, before we jump into our next question, I want to talk about MappedCon for one Ooh. second. MappedCon 2023, October 6th through eighth in Baltimore, Maryland, a thousand students will have 50 exhibitors there, uh, medical schools, post-bac programs, test prep companies, all kinds of fun stuff, pre-PA programs. If you're a pre-PA student, podiatry programs, if you're pre-podiatry, uh, Courtney, we were talking about this just a minute ago. One of the big questions that students have is like, what's the point of going in person there are virtual workshops and webinars. We do them all the time. Like I could just go on Zoom and, and learn what I need to learn. What's the point? Yeah. Um, well, as somebody who used to be a director of admissions that went to all of these uh, recruiting events, I can tell you for a fact that it is better to go in person, build a rapport, just be in somebody's space and have a conversation where they get to know you. There are, you know, as everyone knows, thousands of applicants every year. And if you can actually have some FaceTime with somebody who's actually in admissions and, and talk to them about the program, let them see your passion kind of shine through and, and your interest and maybe learn about some med schools or, or some programs that you hadn't known about before. Like it's a good opportunity to just learn and engage, but they value that very highly. You know, like they didn't grow up most of them in the digital age. And so they place a lot of value on having an in-person conversation. So do yourself a favor and advocate for yourself, like shine, go, go and stand out, go and build that rapport with the school so that they know you, they've seen you, especially if they're doing like virtual interviews or things like that, where there's not a lot of opportunity to engage or you live out of state. It is the best time. And you know, the the number of attendees for in-person conferences after COVID kind of dropped. And I can tell you, based on the conferences we've been to and all of the discussions that we've had with directors and deans, everybody is just wanting that back. They want you guys there. They want you there in person. And it's it's really important. So do yourself a favor. You're already doing all the prep. You're spending all this money. Mm-hmm. Go and advocate for yourself, go and learn at the workshops, go and make connections, you know, even if it's two, three years out, it's important and they want to see you there. They want the interaction. So I, I would go, I would go if I were you, I don't know if I could say it any stronger than that. I know it can be inconvenient. It can be a little bit of a cost, but 
in the long run, I mean, I've matriculated people that I met at conferences out of state because we mm-hmm. had such a positive interaction. We stayed in contact and, and they were able to get the information they need, build their application, come to me prepared and already having that relationship. And it was so wonderful to be able to yeah. matriculate them and know, like, I met you ahead of even an interview. And like, I've now I get to watch your journey. So it's, it's important. It's awesome. It's important. It is an important part of being yes. pre-health. Yeah. So this is competitive. I'm sharing the schedule on the screen right now. MappedCon.com has our most updated schedule uh, that you can find. It has updated speaker stuff. Um, so come check it out. You can see Saturday is a full day. Uh, starting at like nine o'clock in the morning, you can see we have creating inclusive healthcare spaces. We're going to have Dr. David Acosta there to talk about um, diversity and inclusion. He's the chief diversity and inclusion officer at the AAMC. Um, come, come hang out with us. Uh, I, I talk yeah, about us. it all the time. <laughs> yes, us. We will be we there. Will you can out hang us. out with us. <laughs> we uh, will be there. We, we will be there talking to you and hanging out with you. I'll probably be at the bar that the layout of the the hotel is pretty awesome. Like there's a whole uh, ground floor area with a bar and other stuff. Like I'll probably be there until two o'clock in the morning. I just, I have a feeling that it's just going to be a crazy, uh, crazy weekend. Is that a dumb and dumber reference? I'll hang by the bar. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't i don't remember that <laughs> I, I won't wear one of those orange like yeah. fuzzy suits though um and spray banaca outside my mouth um we're gonna have an old pre-night uh old pre-meds night friday night with some quote-unquote influencers that you may see on social media who are non-traditional students who are awesome uh and then october 8th you will see there's a lot more hands-on stuff um we'll have a suturing workshop we're going to have uh if we come here cpr training we're going to have uh taking vitals learning how to do that uh, all kinds of amazing things learning how to splint we're gonna have an mmi uh it's not on here right now the mmi session we're we're running low on tickets so uh go go sign up today um to save your seat obviously the the price of a ticket is it's there, right? It, it costs, I think right now it's $75. Um, we understand, right? The cost of travel and hotel and other stuff is there as well. We will have a room share setup uh, form. So if you want to try to split the cost of a room with someone, you can, mm-hmm. you can enter to do that if you're comfortable doing that. Um, mm-hmm. So come hang out with us and, and meet these medical schools, get in front of these medical schools or post-bac programs and and ask your questions, show your face, build that mm-hmm. connection. I talk about it all the time. Uh, and, and it's one of the biggest reasons why I give the advice that I specifically give in terms of your writing style. It's to connect you mm-hmm. to that reviewer. Mm-hmm. Let's do it in person at, at MapCon. So come Absolutely. hang out. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Cannot stress it enough. <laughs> it is worth your time to go and meet these programs in person. They're already sending their representatives, their directors, their top recruiters, people yeah. that are on panels. They are already there. They are already booked. You yeah. need to be in front of them because they're going to be talking to somebody. Why not let it be you? There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's, I just remembered, I, I, I talk about her often, uh, but I haven't thought about her recently talking about MAPSCON and, and the value of it. I had a student I worked with a couple of years ago, a, a nurse. She was like a nurse for eight years. And 
was uh, someone who uh, was struggling through the application process. Uh, she she had that she was right on the border with her MCAT score with that 499. It's like yeah. oh, 500 um, is a yeah. common cutoff for schools. And so it was October. And this was several years ago. I said, come to the UC Davis conference if you can make mm-hmm. it. And it was like I was talking to her on Tuesday. The conference was on Saturday. I'm like, if you can make it out. And she lived on the East Coast. If you can make it out. I'm going to be there. I'm going to walk you around and and in, uh, yep. introduce you to all my friends. Yep. And I did that. Uh, and I yep. know, Courtney, you've been doing that at the conference I've been doing that. we're going mm-hmm. to. Yep. And the first conference um, she she got to meet a lot of people. It wasn't super fruitful for her from an admission standpoint. She got to meet people and connect. She went to another conference like the week after or two weeks after and met with two schools. Uh, they were tabling. They had their representatives there, talked to them, said, hey, here's my story. Here's where I struggled. And mm-hmm. they're like, you'd be the perfect candidate at our school. Mm-hmm. They invited her like on the spot to interview like a week or two later. She interviewed at those schools and was ultimately accepted at both of those schools through connections that she made at a conference that probably those schools would have just ignored her application just based on initial screenings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's thousands, there's thousands of people. And, and when you don't know, somebody's interpersonal skills, right? Like that's what we're trying to glean mm-hmm. out of this data that you're giving us, but you can just show them, which will yeah. back up and then they'll look at your application and be like, wow, and they were really personable. Like I can see <laughs> this person really yeah. easily, you know, not having problems with bedside manner third and fourth year. Like it makes a big difference, especially to a generation that yeah. that isn't in love with virtual only. So. Yeah. Knowing that for yourselves, it yeah. would be huge. It would be good. To we, do. we went to dinner uh, last week, Courtney, you, mm-hmm. myself, uh, a good friend, Dr. Layla Amiri, the Dean of Admissions mm-hmm. at Larner College of Medicine at University of Vermont. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a student there who did something. And the three of us, you, you me, and, and Layla were like, that is the exact thing that we can't get through an application, through writing, but the, what that student did, and I I won't talk about it, Mm -hmm. what that student did immediately showed who that person Mm -hmm. was. And it's like, very favorably, very favorably. Yes. It was a good thing. Mm -hmm. And and so by being polite, right. And being thoughtful and immediately all of us keyed into it, had a discussion. So yeah. Magic happens in person. (laughs) Mapscon.com. All right, let's get back to the question. Matchmaker, let's go. <laughs> yes, uh, there will be a a uh, a wedding from MappedCon at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Students will meet at MappedCon yeah. and they will get married. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Karen asks, is it safe to apply before finishing all prereqs given an otherwise solid profile with an MCAT score that shows proficiency in those missing courses or go biochem? We'll be finishing them pre-matriculation. Courtney, this is super common, right? Yep. For, for students to apply without prereqs being finished. Yep. And, and what you said about the MCAT score showing proficiency, especially given that you haven't taken those courses, that means probably a lot of it was self-taught. Um, Fairly common, good to go. Yeah, just make sure you're finishing them before you matriculate. Right, yeah. and, and knowing sure that you, you can 
you have a C or above. Right. Yeah. You don't want to count yourself out after you already have an acceptance. You want to give that a surety. And probably if you have a solid academic profile, they would have no reason to think otherwise. But yeah. yeah. I, I will put a small asterisk on this. I, I say it because I read it at one point and it sticks in my mind. I've never been able to find it again. I randomly read some school. I don't remember the school. Some school's admissions requirements. And I'm like almost positive that it said all of the prereqs were supposed to be done before applying. It is more common in the pre-PA world for PA programs to want prereqs done. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's super common to apply without all of your prereqs done and double check all the schools that you're applying to and make sure there's no caveats there. Yeah. Good point. There's always got to be at least one school. Mm -hmm. There's always one that's like, I want to be different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adam asks, my most impactful experiences came during uh, came about during my three gap years. Is it a red flag if I leave out less relevant ECs as an undergrad? Worried it may appear like I did nothing during my time in school. Hmm. Bernie, this is an interesting question because mm -hmm. I often talk about the activity section being a kind of who you are and what have you been doing with your time? Yeah. And if, if a student doesn't have a ton of stuff during undergrad because they have some other things, it's hard with AMCAS specifically because of that 15 yeah. limit. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's okay to include a few things from undergrad, right? If, if you're really hitting a point where you have to rule out certain things, then of course, concentrate on the ones that are most meaningful to you and that, you know, you really got something out of that experience. Um you know, you have an opportunity to, if you can fit in a few ex, uh, experiences from undergrad, then do so. I don't think it's going to look like you didn't do anything in undergrad, right? You were a student, maybe, you know, maybe you didn't decide to become a physician until later. That's okay. Uh, but try to see if you can find a balance. Try to see if you can fit in even one or two things from undergrad, uh, as long as they were Im impactful enough and, and like worthy enough to include in the application. Yeah. That's how I see it. Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. Aziza, I go to Penn, we are, and my classes here have honestly been really rigorous and challenging. Is a lower GPA regarded by higher tiered, uh, regarded by higher tier med schools with some consideration of the institution difficulty? This comes up all the time, Courtney. Uh, there, there's some assumption of some magical cheat sheet that, that you all have as admissions members that says, oh, Penn, they, oh no. Penn, not Penn State. I'm, I'm assuming University of Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. uh, the more prestigious university. Um, <laughs> sorry, ignore that. Uh, I, I retract my uh, we are. Um, they, there's some like magical cheat sheet of like, oh, Penn, Cornell, Yale, Harvard College, right? If you went to one of these schools, then your 3.6 is actually a 3.8, right? Tell everyone right now. Share the secrets of the underworld. Does that exist or not? Technically, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's what is it? A Barron's ranking encyclopedia type thing. So, technically, yes. Um, maybe in some, I mean, it'd be few and far between. It's not a standard. Um, 
I don't think it's anything that would be actually measurable um, to speak with any definity on, um, you know, from the three, three deans I worked with, one brought it up as something to maybe consider. Um, but whether we wanted to or not was completely up to us. Um, so not really, there's like, yeah. the GPA is just one data point, but um, obviously, if you're taking a full course load of rigorous science and you're getting a three six, that's not bad. It's not that's, bad. Yeah, that's right at the matriculating average or mean. So it's it's you're not at a problematic point right now. Um, and potentially, I mean, we can't account for everybody's opinions or biases or, or things yep. like that, but as a standard practice, no, not really. And I try to just be as transparent as possible, even though that's kind of a wishy-washy answer. Yeah. Yep. So don't, uh, don't count on it. The yeah. only yeah. thing that you can control Aziz, is how well you do. Don't worry about how the medical schools are going to view things and interpret yep. grades or change things. Yeah. Only worry about what you can control and that is doing as well as you can. Yeah. Haley Gray with an A. Hey, Gray friend. with an A. Uh, how do I list poster presentations on oh. AMCAS? Do I talk about the research or do I talk uh, about just the fact that I presented? Verena, we I heard get this, this question a lot this yeah, week. We get this question a lot. Yeah. AMCAS has two categories: one for poster presentations mm -hmm. and one for research. Now, a lot of research leads to poster presentations. I wouldn't. I can't think of an area where there would be a poster presentation without, without research. <laughs> yeah. And so the question is always, should I add the poster presentation into my description on research? Should I have two things? Should, what should I do? Yeah, yeah, great question. And the good thing is that there aren't really specific rules about this, right? So do what works. If you have a lot of presentations and posters and publications, list them all in the that one activity and then talk about the research in the research portion of it. If you maybe have just one or two and you can fit them all into the description of that research, then you can do that as well. So figure out what do you want to say? What's the most important thing that you want to share um, about the research itself, that aspect of it? If it's going to um, kind of take up that whole block of text, then put your present your poster, your list of posters or presentations in that separate um, activity entry. It really depends on how much information you have to put there. But you can be flexible. There's no set format to this. Okay. Should we find another? Okay. <laughs> TM, how to cope with a loss of a child while completing prereqs. Taking a break isn't an option because it results in dwelling and unproductivity. It's a wow. very sad question. First of all, I'm so sorry. So sorry. Uh, I've worked with a student before who was in a similar situation, um, uh, was pregnant and had a stillbirth, I think, un unexpected stillbirth. And she tried to push through. And it resulted in 16 Fs on her application to medical school. She ultimately got in um, because she recovered and rebounded. But I think if you were to ask her, 
uh, it was the wrong move to keep pushing forward. Uh, I definitely can understand wanting to keep doing something. But the question is, should it be something where there's a lot of extra stress because you have to do well in it versus doing something like going to group therapy or um, going and starting a new hobby or, or something that can keep you busy, uh, but also doesn't require all of the stress of normal pre-med, pre-reqs and all of that stuff. So yeah, I, I think first and foremost, take care of yourself. Um, go talk to somebody or some buddies, um, whether that's professional help or friend circles or all of that fun stuff. I know we're big fans of therapy on this show. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if there's a right answer, um, kind of broadly speaking, Vernia, Courtney, any, any thoughts there? Well, I was just thinking the, um, if the fear is if I take a break, I'm going to fall behind and I'm never going to get into medical school. Just let go of that, let go of that fear, focus on, mm-hmm. As you were saying, Ryan, just focusing on recovering from this, you need that space. You need that time to do that. You can't just plow through and expect that you're going to still be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's tempting to just want to do that, to move away from those feelings around that. It's completely understandable. But mm-hmm. if the fear is, if I stop, I'm never going to go get in, you'll recover from this slowly. And you will still continue and apply to medical school when the time is right. <sighs> Yeah. Okay. Good luck, Tim. Trevor, when is the latest letters of rec should be sent to AMCAS? Also, is there a website where we can find those medical school conferences? So, mappedcon.com is uh, the biggest one. Premedevents.com is uh, our event calendar where anyone can add anything on there that's pre-med related, premedevents.com. The two biggest conferences are going to be the UC Davis Pre-Health Conference on the West Coast and then MAPTCON on the East Coast. And then there are smaller conferences, one in Tampa coming up at the end of the month and one in Niagara Falls right outside of Buffalo. Uh, at the beginning of June. So go check those out. Those are called uh, SAP and NEAP. <laughs> S-A-A-H-P and N-E-A-A-H-P, if you want to <laughs> Google those. <laughs> yeah. We'll be there. Yes. yes. Uh, so Come letters of rec. <laughs> yeah. um, letters of rec, Courtney, we often talk about like what is needed for an application to be complete primary application, secondary application, MCAT score, and letters of rec are typically the the fourth thing mentioned, right? Yep, you said it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, We want kind of the the completed components, um, usually ahead of determining if we're going to invite you for one of those precious interview slots. So the latest, um, when when your main application is going in and sometimes you have to follow up with people a number of times to be able to get them to send them in. Um, so it's, it's an important component that usually med schools because we don't have to make that leeway. Like, yeah, we'll just determine what we want to do without it. Like we can table it. So um, it's, it's ASAP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As soon as you can. Along with your secondary, you know, 
at the latest, because that's when a lot of evaluation things will start in earnest, I would say. Catherine, do you have any advice or resources for incoming med students other than resting or completing requirements? School starts in two weeks and I feel like I'm in limbo. That's super early, first of all. Mid-May? Uh, no, end of May. Um, that's really early for med school starting. Mm -hmm. That's surprising. Yeah. DMS, uh, tell us where. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us where. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if it's uh yeah anyway the the question courtney i'll throw to you you dealt with a lot of those nervous nelly incoming students anything that you saw worked well heard from students about what worked well other than as, as catherine mentioned resting taking a break yeah i mean if you ask the med students they're like go on a trip see your yep. family you're never gonna see them again <laughs> um so if you ask them, they're like, don't study, don't do anything. If you ask the faculty, they're like, brush up on your formulas and things like that. Um, I would say it's, oh, she said FSU. Oh, Interesting. Well, that's what you get when you go to an uh, uh, inferior school like oh, FSU okay. compared to UF. It's not the Gators. Okay. It's not the Gators. Just um, so to get to your question, if you're moving, <laughs> make sure – your home is in order, right? Set up your utilities, check your Wi-Fi, make the space livable. That's an important component because once you start orientation and you get going, you won't have time and you're gonna end up with a space that looks like mine for months, okay? And that's not really kind of conducive to being a really healthy study area for most people. So spend some time creating a space that you like, that you feel like is peaceful or productive, um, you know, if you need to set yourself up with like a food delivery service or, you know, do those kind of housekeeping type items because you won't have time, you know, if you need to make calls to like a primary care because you've moved, when are you going to do that when med school starts? Probably never. And then you just won't go to the doctor. So doing all of those types of things, I found, you know, from my students who came early versus came later on, you know, and set up their home during orientation, that that relieved a lot of stress, you know, finding out where things are in the city that you need to access very regularly, like a Target or a Walmart or things like that, a Costco. So that would be my suggestion, other than resting or completing requirements, um, give your mind a little break, do some chore type stuff, you know, for your personal life to set you up to be able to focus fully or see if you can meet with the learning specialist, right? Get, get on their schedule for, for the school, set up a schedule for your learning and, and a game plan with them. That's their job is to help you. You can do that too. So yeah, get your things in order, personal oh, life order. Yeah. Don't, don't try to read ahead. <laughs> no, it won't happen. Don't do that. It's so funny. Like, I don't know how many times I can talk to students about like the whole drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> and then I talk to them and they're like two months into med school and they're like, Dr. Ray, I didn't know it was going to be this hard <laughs> like, or this much. Right. It's not really hard. It's just a ton. A lot. It's yeah. so much. I'm like, I told you it's so hard to 
like help students understand what's about to hit them. Yeah. yeah. So, so just for context, I once saw a PowerPoint presentation from one of the faculty that was 214 slides long. Okay. <laughs> 214. That that's just one microbiology course. Okay. Yep. So, you know, you see them on orientation day, everybody's got fresh haircuts and they're smiling. <laughs> and then about two, three weeks later, when it's the kind of the midterm time, they're crawling out of study rooms and everybody's just bats under their eyes. Like, Why did I do <laughs> this? You know, <laughs> I stopped getting waves in the hallway. I'm no longer like a dream creator. You know, they're just like, oh. it's all your fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I, you okay. accepted me here. Why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I know Carly is in the background working with us. You guys don't know Carly, but hopefully those tips are helpful for you as well, Carly. Do those things because I know you're stressed about starting med school yeah. too. <laughs> I, I saw a very sad tweet this morning from a third year med student uh, who said med school, and then in parentheses, I cannot stress this enough, is not a good time. <laughs> and and I was like, that's that's sad. Like to paint with such a broad stroke to say all of med school sucks. Like, mm -hmm. and I responded like, I loved most of med school. Right, yeah. I, I, my best friends are from med school. I met my yeah. wife in med school. It med school's hard, right? But I, I very much, and maybe this is a little woo. -woo I very much follow the philosophy of if. If you think the world is bad, you will find yeah. bad. If you think the world is good, you will find good. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think it's a lot of it is, is perspective. Yes, understanding. I'm, I'm not invalidating. Med school is super hard. If you want it to suck, it'll suck. If mm -hmm. you want it to look good, you can find stuff to make it good too. Well, like get involved in clubs and organizations. Like this is what you guys worked really hard for. And now you're actually getting to do hands-on real impact in the community yeah. and in yep. these clubs and across national organizations by serving on boards. Like this is what you've worked so hard for and you are in it. And so, you know, if you're only alone and studying and, and not really mm -hmm. doing the things that you said that you wanted to do, yeah, you may be miserable, but like you have those opportunities to actually start doing. And I know plenty of med students are just thrive. Once they get in, thrive, yeah. best time of their life, amazing and inspirational to watch tremendous people. And it's just, you know, once they got their footing with the speed of the coursework and they found what worked best for them and their scheduling thriving. So yeah. Yeah. I, and, I would and disagree I, with that statement too. Yeah. I, I can't stress enough how important it is to, uh, as you are picking the schools that you want to apply to find the ones where you will thrive at. Okay, right. And definitely. not just, I'll go to anywhere that, that accepts me, which is yeah, the yeah. standard uh, thing to say. And, and maybe this one specific student is at an institution where she mm -hmm. just can't thrive. And, and yeah. yes, then, then it's not fun. Yeah, unfortunately. So, yeah. Jake Monkey, <laughs> I am on the cusp of a 3.1 GPA and I'm about to start my last semester of undergrad with a higher GPA and a master's in biomedical science program, making me a stronger applicant. Suggestions. And Verinia, this is the one where we love more information. Yeah. Sorry, Jake. It's a little hard to tell. What's the story behind that 3.1, right? We talk about trends matter. Did you start off rocky and then worked your way up and really came up you know recovered and have a nice strong upward trend or did you start out really strong and then just sort of nosedived from there so that those that gpa alone doesn't tell us the full story 
Um, so it's hard to say. Uh, Jake followed up by saying my GPA and grades have had a positive trend in the past two years. Okay. So then we have to look and see, was that sufficient enough? Um, how many credits, how many science credits did you take during that time? Um, and that 3.1, actually, now I'm not sure. Was it science or was it cumulative? I'm assuming science, but, um, could a master's in biomedical science make me, make you a stronger candidate? Maybe it's hard to tell. Uh, I'd say, look at your GPA, look at your trends. Maybe use Mapped. You can create a Mapped, a free Mapped account. Yep. We can take a look at it for you as well, and uh, yep. give you some more feedback. Yeah. So here, here's an example. This is a three four two cumulative student. Mm -hmm. uh, three four four. I'll zoom in here. Three four four science, and you can see this green line, nice upward trend that we have, showing. Hey, I've figured it out from. This mm -hmm. semester on 385-393-4040-40040 and lots of credits, right? A lot of students are like, I've had a 4.0 over la my last six semesters. And you look and they're like, oh, yeah. one class per semester. Right. It's a different mm -hmm. story. 13 credits, 16 credits, 12 credits, right? So this is just this is just a demo account to show the power of an upward trend. And Courtney, a lot of times I will say like this specific student basically did their quote unquote post back their last two years of undergrad. Mm -hmm. They kind of did what the goal of a post back is and might not need to go uh, and, and do anything formal with a master's or, or an undergrad post back. So that, that's where that, that extra detail comes in. Yeah. Yep. We're going to look at it in totality. What information is there for us to look at you as a student, as you are arriving to the med school. So not always is the post-bac or master's the best option, um, especially if you already have a, a fair amount of science credits under your belt and it's not really going to move the needle that much. If you're yeah. only looking at moving the GPA needle instead of showing evidence of being a strong student, that they're kind of can be two separate things depending on the person and the academic profile. Yeah. So this is my favorite chart in, in all of Mapped. So this is Mapped, by the way. Uh, Mapped, 99% of it's free forever. Go check it out, mapped.com. If you want to enter all of your information and then ask us very personal questions right on Maps platform, that's what Mapped Pro is for. You get access to my LORs, which is our letter of recommendation service. You get access to chat with our advisors. It's not interview prep or essay editing. It's just, hey, here are my classes, here are my activities, just general questions that you have all right there on the platform. Um, but here's one of the graphs in our detail page that shows, right, this student over the last 39, 46 credits has basically a 398 GPA over, over their last 46 credits. Yep. A, a post back isn't gonna show much more. <laughs> it's right. like, you've mm -hmm. already proven yourself academically and yes, you've overcome. So there's going to be some questions like, hey, what happened? Why did you start off rocky? But definitely finish strong. Yeah. Those trends matter. The story I, behind the numbers. I'm laughing because I got a call out of, do admissions consider school reputation when looking at GPA? Courtney, yes. Some deans will. No, maybe. Not really. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I'm glad you tracked that. Thank you. <laughs> that was basically the, the gist of your, your yeah. thought process. <laughs> I mean, you can't account for everybody's opinions yeah. and, and their yeah. process more universally. Yeah. And their biases. Probably right? not. Probably not. Yeah. But 
outliers, some here yeah. and there, potentially. Yes. I, so, I always talk about it like you could apply to a school and be reviewed by a reviewer, admissions committee reviewer, uh, application reviewer, who uh, went to the same school that you went to. And so they have a different perspective on your GPA because they're like, oh, Mm. I know those classes. Oh, that professor's still there. Oh my gosh, you got to be in that class. Like, oh, that was the hardest class in the world. Like, yeah. and they may, they may subconsciously or consciously go, yeah, you're 3.6. Oh, that's, that's really solid yeah. based on everything I know. And this, the, there's a lot of subjectivity that comes into it. So, yep. And I've, I've also heard the inverse where if you go to one of these Ivy League schools, they inflate their GPAs because mm -hmm. they want their stats to be amazing. So I don't yeah. know if this means anything. Like I've, <laughs> I've heard both sides. Right. Yeah. And so if you're, you will never know what they are going to do. So just yeah. put forward yep. your application and work really hard and, and right. hope that they will value the right things because yeah. that is outside of your control. And, and it's so nuanced, but the, the amount of chatter about who outright actually does that, I haven't heard it as a, as a big topic of discussion, but no. yeah, no, so. nobody wants to say they do it, <laughs> but I'm glad that you tracked how that went. Cause I was like, well, but, but this one, <laughs> I had one. So, you know, maybe, maybe. That's that, it, maybe. they'd be good at that like cup game where it's like you put the ball under the cup and then you move it around. Like they, they followed you. They're probably good at that game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's the problem with being transparent. It's like, well, can I think of one instance, one mention of it? I'm going to tell yeah. you guys, I thought of one mention of it. Did it actually end up impacting stuff? No, but I know somebody mentioned it. So it's like, yeah. I'll put it out there, but yeah. I'm going to go for majority and then say this is an outlier. But I thought it was really funny because there was a bunch of laugh marks under that. And that's true. That that was exactly how the response went. So hopefully that clarifies a little bit. Right. Let's keep rocking. Get busy, Marco. Polo, how do I narrow down which med schools to apply to? Premedyears.com slash 437. Look at that. Ready to rock and roll with that banner. Premedeers.com slash 437 is how to build the ultimate school list. Ignore the double pre-roll at the beginning of that specific episode for some reason. Or it's a, some bug somewhere. Um, go check it out. That's how. Uh, a kiki, a kaki. Uh, so the rule of thumb is to ignore activities we did in high school. What about activities that we started in high school and kept doing throughout college should we ignore those high school hours Courtney starts shaking your head there ignore the hours add the hours because it continued I think it depends on how accurate you want to be like if it was only in high school I wouldn't include it if it high school into college I don't see it personally as problematic um but generally, the rule of thumb is going to be college on. I don't know. Verenia, have you heard or Ryan, have you heard differently? No, no I agree. I agree. I, I think it's okay to include those high school hours, too. If it's, you know, it depends on the activity, too. I think um, students sometimes want to split hairs on, on things mm -hmm. like this. Um, but if it's 
like a clinical experience or, you know, something, you know, they really want to highlight that, hey, you're really involved in this. Sure. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're an EMT since 16. Cool. Include it. Yeah. Like, but it's not, it's not problematic. There's. Yeah. Yeah. General rule of thumb, not end all be all. Yeah. Commend. Probably, maybe, no, <laughs> yes. sort of. Maybe, no. <laughs> I love it. Cor- Courtney's the human pinball machine. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, sometimes. Roy G, I have a leadership position in an esports club for my school. Online forums like SDN and Reddit have said to avoid listing anything related to gaming. <laughs> How true is the stigma hmm. against video gamers? <laughs> well, we talked at the very beginning of the show how Courtney is a big gamer, uh, as well as Verenia a little bit yeah. as well. Verenia, uh, esports is huge these mm-hmm. days. Uh, mm-hmm. Colleges are building esports arenas and mm-hmm. offering full ride esports scholarships. Yeah, are we past the stigma of video games? I believe so. I've had a couple of applicants included, and the most important thing is they write meaningfully about it like there's a reason that they're doing it they can show um the impact of it um you may have an admissions committee member as our current lovely courtney lewis um who is a gamer themselves and that's something that they can connect with so i don't see a problem with it yeah the problem courtney comes if if roy g has three thousand hours of playing uh call of duty and zero hours of (laughs) clinical experience right right? yes yeah yeah so those hours are probably going to be higher but uh, you know moderation and all things like you can learn really valuable skills um Mm -hmm. and older generations that are reviewing your application can can identify those qualities and skills that they've seen obviously you're able to be hyper-focused and diligent so you know there's things like that that it's like directly applicable right um but but where your true passion lies and making sure that you do have evidence of wanting to pursue becoming a physician in your application is, is still going to be important as it is with everyone. And this is specifically a leadership position in a, a school organization too. So, yeah. so talk about that that's as great. well. Talk, talk about what that's like joining, you know, getting other people to join and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that. Go for it, Roy. Yes. Send your Twitch handle to Courtney so we can <laughs> play some video games. <laughs> Eduardo. They don't, don't want to uh, be embarrassed like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> calling shots. Uh, what if we don't have any, uh, don't have many activities, but the ones we do have were for a significantly long time. Is there a difference? Courtney, uh, you come from the Acomus world where there's unlimited numbers of activities that can be added to a list. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's think about AMCAS, right? Fifteen activities. If a student mm-hmm. only has five activities filled out, what, whatever Eduardo's uh, number is here, but those five activities are pretty stellar looking. Is there a concern? Um, <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it depends on the person. Um, okay, so what I can glean positive out of that, it's just every application is different. You don't look at things as an island, only one data point. One thing positive I can say about that, that they'll probably glean, is that you're able to devote your time 
to something and really stick it out. And so, you know, if you're getting letters of recommendations or things like that from these people, that's going to hold a lot more value than somebody you shadowed for eight hours to me as an evaluator. Um, the, the flip side concern is, do you have enough breadth and depth of experience to know about what medicine or whatever it is looks like outside of that? Now, if this activity is just community volunteer or an extracurricular or something like that, or research, like, fine, that's, that's fine. But if it's medically related, they may want to see a little bit more breadth and depth. Um, you know, maybe you mix in some shadowing here and there at like a family practice and an orthopedic office and, and in different settings. So you see different patient bodies and things like that. But again, depends. I can glean positive from both sides. It will depend on kind of what you were doing and why and what picture that paints, what I'm able to glean out of that. It's not bad. It's experience. Yeah. It's better than zero. Uh, John C., when is the best time to apply for DO schools and what information they have about traffic rules? So rolling admissions uh, is the standard across all medical schools in this country, uh, or most medical schools in this country. Uh, earlier, the better, right? Applications are open. You can submit your ACOMAS application right now. Doesn't mean you mm -hmm. have to. Uh, apply with a well thought out, well edited, well grammar checked, uh, and typoed, uh, checked for typo essay. So yeah, apply. And traffic rules, you don't have to worry about those until next year. <laughs> so, They're published too. Yeah, so just, just follow the deadlines. Yeah. Google traffic rules, see who adheres to them, who doesn't. And it's pretty straightforward. So you'll know. And then, you know, if you need like a best, best time to submit for best consideration or something like that, they also have that information. So I think that's all of that is on the choose DO Explorer too for DO schools. Texas Motors, when is it considered early for TMDSAS? So same question. Like early is early, like June, July, May. Uh, May, May and June for TMDSAS. Yeah. Abdul, good idea to list e to list shadowing as one of my top three meaningful experiences, or is it a red flag? I shadowed different specialties and was able to interact with patients, so it was an eye-opening experience. Well, if you're interacting with patients, it's probably not shadowing, because shadowing is a passive activity. It depends on what you were doing. Um, Courtney, I hate the prescribed, like, your most meaningful activities needs to be one clinical, one shadowing, and one research um, what are, what are your thoughts on shadowing as a most meaningful? I mean, it's your job to tell me what was most meaningful to you. Like, I just want to know that information. So it just, it's up to you what you want to do. Boom, done. <laughs> <laughs> Easy peasy. All right, I think we got time for one more. Let's oh, make it happen. Carly said she mentioned Dungeons and Dragons in her TMD SAS, and she got into med school. So <laughs> there you nice. go. But did did she get into a Texas medical school? Yes. Oh, did she? Did she? I don't or, know. Or no, no. 
I, I know that school she did get into, uh, the one school that I know of uh, is not a Texas school, but I'm not sure. Yes, I remember now. <laughs> so maybe that's why she didn't get in, uh, although maybe she did. I just forget. I don't know. Anyway, so we have one more question. We got two minutes. We can do it. Jawad, hello. Uh, do unpaid internships count as volunteering? I'll be starting a role as a data analyst for a low-income women's health outcome. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> for is, it, is it for credit, the internship? Um, I mean, I guess it could be volunteering. Um, but if you're getting something out of it, then no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Skills, experience, networking. There's always something. Yeah, I meant credits or, or yeah. like income. Um, this yeah. could also just be extracurricular or other. Other, yeah, yeah, could be, maybe, maybe, ping pong, ping pong. <laughs> yes, no, maybe, <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. That is pre-med office hours. MappedCon twenty twenty three, October sixth through eighth, twenty twenty three in Baltimore, Maryland. Come hang out with us. It is worth the trip. It is worth the hotel stay. The tickets are relatively inexpensive. You will learn. You will connect. You will uh, meet admissions committee recruiters and, and deans and directors of admissions from different medical schools across the country, and they will help you. Help I mean, you, help you, help you. These are people we handpicked to be valuable yeah. to, to pre-health students and so, you know, these are people we have connections with that we, we know, we know their programs and things like that. And so, you know, you guys should come. We know, we know that these are fruitful schools, connections, things to be part of. We're trying to make it high value for you. Yep. Yep. And we'll all be there. We'll be there. Come hang we'll out. <laughs> all right, my when friends. <laughs> Coming out with us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern here on premed.tv. Hope you have a wonderful week. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for premeds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.